0: Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast, I'm your host Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. We all know the difference between just having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of the pressures, insecurities, and burdens that's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny, and today is a solo episode. So right about now, I would usually introduce our guest, say hi, how are you, introduce yourself to the audience, but it is just me today. And I'm going to be honest, it feels very strange. I am not used to this. But I'm very excited to share what I want to share today. It feels very raw and vulnerable <laughs> to be saying this by myself and telling my own personal story, but I felt like it was really necessary, which is another reason why I'm, I'm so excited to be sharing it. So, I'll say some fun facts about me so you can get to know me a little bit better. I am very passionate about journaling, plants, youth ministry, And I'm currently getting my bachelor's in counseling. And I thank God that I am nearly almost done. (laughs) It has been quite a journey, but we are, I can see the horizon. We'll say that. But what have I been set free from? I wanted to tell you guys that I have been set free from a false sense of safety that I got from partnering with fear. And this safety was actually keeping me in perpetual disappointment. And I had a very twisted view of God's love this freedom that I've been experiencing has actually been developing in my heart for the past two years or so. And I've just gone to deeper levels of it as the Lord has revealed more things to bring up, fix, heal, and then walk it out in my life. I actually have four very thick notebooks sitting next to me right now that are filled with things that I was wrestling with in the last two years that have to do with this topic. So the reason I wanted to share this today is because when the Lord revealed this to me, it felt very individual. I thought, you know, I've never really met anyone else who has a similar struggle. So it's probably me and, and other people probably wrestle with similar aspects of it, but not the exact thing. But as time passed, I have seen over and over again, just how common this issue is. I've met friends and women I'm mentoring, women who have mentored me, and I've just continually met more and more people as time has gone on that have struggled with this same exact thing. And that was really hard for me to believe at first. I thought it was just me. I'm gonna be honest. (laughs) And now I get to share my story knowing that maybe other people have struggled with this who are listening. Maybe not every single one of you, but I hope that this helps you step into freedom like God has helped me step into freedom. So this all started when I was born. I'm just kidding. So rewind the story all the way back to when I was 13 years old. I got saved at 13. And then when I was 14, I started liking this boy. And this boy, let me tell you, was a few years older than me and was just bad news. He was just bad news all around. He didn't love the Lord. He didn't have good morals. And I ended up putting my identity in him, basically. I didn't know who I was apart from what other people said about me. So this was a very unhealthy situation. Do you ever want to go back to your past self and just like give them a pep talk and be like, if only I had known this information back then. If I could go back to my 14 year old self, I would say, Jenny, move on. Just move on. Don't look back. Just move on. Keep moving forward. (laughs) I liked him so much, but I was also taking what he said about me. And I was like, that has to be true. So that would change like every day. And it was a mess. And then as the year went on, I remember God specifically asked me to let go of him. And this was like the first time I remember hearing such a clear, audible voice of God. I don't know if I've ever heard it this clearly and this loudly since then. But I remember God asked me to let go of him. And that was the last thing on earth I wanted to do because in my mind, this guy was like part of my identity. I was like, if I don't know who I am, letting go of him is not going to help that issue because I put my identity in who he said I was. So eventually, a few months later, I did let go of him. I surrendered him to the Lord. I said, you know what's best and I don't and I'm so sorry. So... He was out of my life and I felt so free once I did that. I started realizing who God says that I am so that's eventually what I did and it was so so helpful for me. I didn't want to do it in the moment but God knew what was best and I'm so thankful that I ultimately obeyed him. Fast forward I'm 20 years old. I am in college. I'm studying intercultural studies. I'm loving life and then I start liking this guy. So this guy is really kind, he's hilarious, very honest, he has a lot of integrity, he has a stable job, all the things you really want in a man. And I started to just like him more and more as I got to know him. So you would think this would be an exciting thing in my life, I was actually distraught over it. (laughs) I remember telling my friend Victoria Hedger, who was on an episode of this podcast, in case you need to go back, pause this right now, go back, listen to hers. It's called Can I Be a Depressed Christian? Highly recommend. So I remember telling her, I can't like him. Like, I'm just going to get disappointed. I can't do this. And Victoria was awesome. She was just talking me through it and helped me process. And I realized I just had this overwhelming feeling of, I just don't think I can have that. I don't think I can have a healthy romantic relationship. Did I know exactly why I felt that way? Not really. I just felt like disqualified for some reason. I knew in my head that it would go well either way if we didn't end up dating or we ended up dating if I brought it to God. And I was like, well, I want God to be involved in every area of my life. I do trust him, I think. So I should pray about this. But I was so nervous to pray about it because I just assumed God would say no. I would just assume God would be like, let me stop you right there. Um, No, not good. Let's move on. And when I did actually muster up the courage to pray about it, I didn't hear a no. Now, I also didn't hear a direct like, yes, he's the one, go therefore get married and have babies. I just want to make that clear. But I didn't hear a no. I actually started to seek the Lord. And I found out that God is love. And so I had this idea in my head like, God doesn't want me to be in a romantic relationship ever. He just wants me all for himself because then I'll love God more. If I'm dating, then, I, then I'll not have enough time to spend with the Lord. And I just felt like God was against a relationship for me. But I found out in seeking him that he is not against that. And so I got this hope in my heart like maybe this was for me. I felt a lot less shame and quite a bit more freedom came into my life and my relationship with God. Fast forward one more year, I'm 21, we've started dating, and I am just falling in love. This is a great relationship, we have similar values, we enjoy hanging out with one another, he's so humble, this is such a good, healthy relationship, and we complement each other really well. Yet, I am so anxious. So you would think that this is like a great thing in my life, and it was, but I was struggling with anxiety so much during that time. Anxiety would seem to come in waves and it would feel like a sudden avalanche of what ifs. So my mind would just suddenly be buzzing with these what ifs like, what if he breaks up with me? What if we talk about getting engaged and then God just tells me, nope, break it off. What if he's actually really bad for me and no one's telling me? What if something's wrong and I don't find out till much later? What if, what if, what if? My mind would just seemed to go off the rocker at certain times of the day and I didn't know why so I sat down I was trying to figure out like why does this keep happening to me why do I feel this avalanche of what-ifs all of a sudden if this is truly a good and healthy relationship so I kept asking God I was like I don't want to live in this anxiety and I don't know why this is happening I want to trust you and I realized through seeking him, that I was so disappointed when God told me to let go of that boy way back when I was 14, that I was so terrified to hope again. I realized now, of course, looking back, I'm like, yeah, that guy wasn't good for me. And God told me to let go because it was what was best. But in that moment where I felt so disappointed, it was hard for me to ever get my hopes up ever again that God would want A good relationship for me and I felt challenged in my spirit to learn how God is the perfect father because good fathers delight in their children's joy they give them good gifts just because it's not necessarily because it's their birthday it's not necessarily because they've done something to earn a good gift sometimes it's just because that's their kid Sometimes they prevent their children from getting what they immediately want, but it is because that's what's best for them. It's not just to taunt them or to teach them a lesson. In my head, I wasn't making that connection of, okay, that's what good fathers do, so God must be even better because he's the perfect father. That was like a bizarre concept to me. And This ultimately boiled down to some core beliefs that I held about God, and they were now coming to the surface. So one of them was, god doesn't want to give me good things two was that god wants me to suffer because i grow through suffering and three was that god is not truly safe i can't trust him he might trick me and i justify these beliefs in my head for so long i thought well you know i shouldn't enjoy something in my life too much that's not god because he could take it away from me anytime he chooses But he would turn it for good and he would like work through it so that I could encourage others. Or if this relationship ended in a breakup, God would be my comfort and he would teach me a lot in the heartache. And those things are true. God would be my comfort and he would teach me a lot in that heartache. But God did not want me to live in this mindset of thinking that God delights in my suffering because that's when I learn the most. I chose to live in this perpetual state of disappointment because it felt safer to me than letting myself be happy and then be let down again. So ultimately what was happening is that every good thing that God allowed into my life, I was refusing to truly enjoy it because I was afraid God was going to rip it away from me to teach me a lesson. And I find that this happens a lot in the church. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? We pray these safe prayers don't reflect our true desires because well i don't want to ask this huge thing of god and then expect him to do it and then he doesn't do it and then i'm just disappointed again who do we think god is it's like we think well don't enjoy it too much because as soon as i fully enjoy this gift god's just gonna sucker punch me in the gut and say gotcha it was a test i just wanted to teach you a lesson honestly if a father did that i would say that's pretty manipulative and it's like we're practicing that we believe in jinx, like, oh, once you enjoy it, boom, there it's gone. And so I was just challenged to think of God as a good father, actual good and true father that didn't want to just rip a good thing away from me in order to make my character better or to make me depend on him more. Because that the way that I was viewing it in my head was actually very manipulative. Believe me, I love being organized just as much as the next person, but I have found a pattern in my life when I try to use a basic planner. It goes like this. I'm going strong, writing down what I need to do until Thanksgiving comes around. And then I forget the planner exists until the new year. In January, I'm committed and excited to get organized, but once March hits, I can't even find the thing anymore. Have you ever experienced this? Do you ever feel like you want to get organized but just don't have the time to? Let me tell you about Life in Order. Life in Order is a business that makes 100% customized bullet journals to help set you up to thrive in your goals, business, relationships, and personal growth. My bullet journal has been a game changer for me. And the best part about it was that it was already set up for what I personally needed in my life. Now I can keep track of how much water I drink and how often I'm journaling. I also requested to put a page in there specifically dedicated to honeybees because who doesn't need more honeybees in their life? You can find Life in Order's products on etsy.com today to get your own bullet journal set up for your unique lifestyle. You can also use the code Jenny15, that's J-E-N-N-Y-1-5 to get 15% off your personalized journal today. So I highly encourage you, Take initiative to order one, and your future self will personally come back to you of today, and thank you. So now speaking more generally, I feel like in the church, I've noticed that when hurting people in the church say like, you know, this terrible thing happened in my life, I had someone pass away, I lost my job, I got laid off, I have a family member who's really suffering right now we tend to just slap these phrases onto those situations. And we say, well, God has a plan. He'll work it out. Or we say, well, God's not worried. He will help you. He will make it better soon. And that is fully true. Those statements are true. But saying those statements right away, instead of empathizing with that person at first saying, I'm so sorry. That is so hard. I am so sorry you're going through this. Slapping those phrases on them right away could teach them that God doesn't really care about their suffering. It's kind of saying, well, you know, you don't have to be sad for long. Don't worry because he's going to make it better right away. I think we need to exercise true empathy and sit with others in their pain because it'll remind the hurting person that they're not alone. It will remind them that God also sits with them in their pain. So in that belief, we are saying that we believe God gives and takes away that's true. I think that we're also saying in that belief, God is the author of good and of evil. Sometimes we think, well, this bad thing happened in my life and God is here. I know he was aware that it happened. I know that he listens to my prayers and if he doesn't answer my prayers directly how I want them to be answered, then we think, well, God did this to me or he's trying to fix me, he's trying to teach me a lesson through this. And that is a very twisted view of his love. So I just wanna say to anyone who is listening, who feels that they resonate with those beliefs in some way, it was not God who hurt you. He did not rip the rug out from under you. It was not God who disappointed you. We live in a broken world where sin and suffering both exist, but he does not delight in your suffering. This reminds me a lot of Lazarus's story is that Lazarus was really sick and Mary and Martha were there comforting him, helping him try to get better. And Jesus knew that this was happening and he was walking to go meet them there where Lazarus, Mary and Martha were staying. And Lazarus died while Jesus was on his way there. So Mary and Martha are grieving, of course, and they buried him. Jesus finally gets there on the scene And both Mary and Martha say, like, Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died and we wouldn't have been grieving right now. And Jesus tells them, I will raise him again. And they think he's talking about when Jesus comes back and the dead are raised to life again and get to be in heaven with Jesus. But he's actually talking about here on this earth. And so Jesus cries and grieves with Mary and Martha, even though he knows He is literally going to raise Lazarus from the dead very soon, like within the hour. (laughs) I think that speaks to God's character that he has emotions, he is not manipulative, and he grieves with us when hard things happen in our lives. It doesn't mean that he was the cause of it. When we remove God from the antagonist seat of our lives, thinking like he's out to get me, he wants to teach me a lesson, he's going to do it in painful ways, and we see him as he truly is, as truly pure and good and for you, then everything changes. There's this quote by Jackie Hill Perry that I heard recently. It is good stuff. She says, In his holiness, it is impossible for God to sin, which means it is impossible for God to sin against you. It just challenges me, like, how safe do I really think God is if I give him my true desires, do I really believe that he knows what is best for me and is going to do those things and he is not going to withhold his goodness in order to teach me a lesson. This also reminded me of a little over a year ago I went home for Christmas and COVID was rampant as we all have experienced and know and I was so nervous that my dad would get sick from COVID. I was nervous that it wouldn't be good on his body, that he wouldn't be able to fully recover. And so I was praying, like, Lord, I don't want anyone in my family to get sick, um, but especially my dad, I pray that you will keep him safe. If anyone gets sick, I pray it's not my dad. And so my worst fear basically came true, is that towards the end of Christmas break, my dad ended up getting COVID, and I was so nervous, I was like, I prayed this wouldn't happen, but it did happen, but maybe it's going to be okay. And then my dad ended up going to the hospital because of COVID complications. So when that day came where I learned he had gone to the hospital, I was so nervous that he was either going to die or get out of the hospital and not be the same. So I remember thinking this was the exact thing that I prayed wouldn't happen. And it did happen. And I just felt so confused And mad, not necessarily mad at God, but just mad at the world at the time. And I prayed with one of my friends, and she was like, Why don't we pray that God shows you his heart and what he was actually doing in that moment that you found out your dad went to the hospital? So we prayed, and I kid you not, I pictured that moment where I was in a Walmart and I got the phone call that my dad had gone to the hospital, and I remember seeing. God the Father like wrap a blanket around me and then Jesus taking my hand and saying like you're going to be okay and then the Holy Spirit handed me a box of tissues. (laughs) I just thought it was so sweet and it showed me God is not the one who was doing that. God was not the one who put my dad in the hospital. He is not the author of evil and that was what brought me so much comfort in that time end of the story is my dad actually did end up recovering and he is safe and well now. But I think that that situation helps me accurately define safety. We say things like, well, I'm safe in the Father. I'm safe in the love of God. What does that actually mean to us? It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to us because they do. It doesn't mean that we won't go through suffering because we will. It doesn't mean that God will prevent all bad things from happening to us It does mean that no matter what happens, your salvation cannot be taken away from you. It means that God will always be with you. It means that your eternal home is in heaven, that your God-given identity does not change. It means that he does hear your prayers and he will answer them. And his love for you will never stop. Those are the promises that we get from the word of God. And that's what it actually means to be safe in him, that those things we know for sure it has nothing to do with our circumstances and our life, saying that we'll always be safe in those, because those change on the daily, as we all know. Something that I realized in that time where my dad was in the hospital, I learned that in order to be someone who can truly laugh at the days to come, which is something that Solomon wrote in Proverbs 31, I was thinking to myself, how could I laugh at the days to come? I have no idea what's going to come and that makes me so nervous. Bad things could happen in the future, and I have no control over them. But in order to laugh at the days to come, I can have confidence in God's character, that he doesn't change, that he is for me, no matter what is happening in my outside circumstances. And that is who I can trust. So I hope this is all making sense as I'm piecing it together, of just me realizing that my safety is in the Lord because he is the one who doesn't change. And I know that, actually believing these things gives us the courage to risk, to take chances. Since these promises are true, we can be free to fail and free to succeed. We can be free to take that risk of landing on either one of them. And during all this time, I was reading this wonderful book, so I highly recommend you get this book. If anything that I'm saying is resonating with you, it's by Brene Brown, and it's called Daring Greatly. So this book is about vulnerability and how it's actually our superpower and not something that's a liability or a weakness. And there's this one chapter about how we all put on armor, per se, metaphorical armor. And these pieces of armor are the little ways that we avoid being vulnerable that we avoid feeling exposed or we avoid feeling like we could be hurt at any time so I was reading this book and one of the pieces of armor that we could put on is a technique called foreboding joy I had never heard the word foreboding before this book but foreboding joy is a technique that we can use in order to deflect vulnerability and it keeps us feeling safe but we're not actually safe we're just not fully living So foreboding joy, let me give you an example, is when you would imagine something horrific happening in your head when that is not actually happening in your reality. Let's say you are driving in the car with your family, you're on a family road trip and you're in the car, you feel so safe. You're like, wow, we'd never get this time together. This is so sweet. And then all of a sudden in your imagination, you'll picture a car accident happening. That imagination of yours was a technique that you used to keep yourself feeling not as vulnerable because to feel joyful is to be vulnerable when you allow yourself to feel happy you're not on guard if that makes sense you're not holding yourself back you're allowing yourself to just experience the joy that is happening in your life right now and when we put that hypothetical situation in our minds it keeps our heart from feeling so vulnerable and that's what I was doing when I started dating Joseph I was picturing these bad things happening or I was like what if this happens what if that happens what if something goes really wrong because I was feeling happy I was feeling very grateful for him and that this was something that I wanted I wanted to be in a relationship with him but I had such a hard time trusting the Lord with that because I was like What if something bad happens, then I'll get hurt? What if God wants to teach me a lesson by ripping him away from me? And those were not good or pure or true thoughts as Philippians 4, 8 tells us to dwell on, but there is hope. There is hope, I promise. So in this book, Daring Greatly, Brene Brown says that a cure to foreboding joy is thankfulness. So in the times where you start to imagine something bad happening because it keeps you from feeling so happy, so vulnerable, like it could just be taken away from you at any moment. The cure to that is to just be grateful, to say, I am so grateful that I am in a car with my family and we get this time together. Instead of letting your imagination go to a horrible place, practicing out loud saying, I am so thankful that I get to spend this time with my family. I am so thankful I'm in this relationship right now. I am so thankful that even though I don't know what the future holds, I have today and I know God is with me today. So that is something I've been practicing continually and I am actually able to enjoy good moments in my life now instead of worrying how they'll be taken away from me. So I would ask you, dear audience, how could you apply this to your life? Do you feel like you struggle with foreboding joy often? Do you actually end up worrying with anxiety when good things come into your life because you worry that God's going to take it away from you? What do you believe about God's fatherhood and how he fathers you? Do you think that he is the author of both evil and good? Do you actually live your life like his promises are true? Like his character won't change? Those are just some questions for you to ponder. But I thank you guys for listening. I thank you for tuning in today. Of all the podcasts that you could have listened to, thank you for choosing Head to Heart. I challenge you to just apply this to your life in some way. And if you don't personally struggle with this or haven't in your life, I would encourage you to share this episode with someone in your life who has struggled with this so that they can get free from that anxiety as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of head to heart podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. If you have any topics in mind, you'd like us to cover, go ahead and send us a message on Instagram. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. Make sure you subscribe as a way of making sure you never miss an episode. And if you would be so kind, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday. So stay tuned and thanks for joining us.